Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, my friends, and welcome to today's uh, episode of Everyday Truth. have a postcard here from our faithful listener, Doug, uh, who went up to the world's largest Christmas store in Frankenmuth, Michigan, and supplied this postcard for our viewing pleasure. So thank you for that, Doug, and hope you had a great Christmas. We are in uh, Jeremiah chapter number 38. And if I sound like I'm a little bit rushed today, I am, because we're going to cover three three chapters, a first in everyday truth history, uh, but it really uh, makes sense because these chapters go so nicely together. In Jeremiah chapter 38, the princes of Judah, this is right at the end now, this, the, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians have sieged Jerusalem, uh, things are dark. Uh, it seems as if Jeremiah is the is the, the the scapegoat for all of this. He's in the royal prison, and everyone seems to be blaming him simply for giving them the the news from God. And the simple fact of the matter is, if they had obeyed Jeremiah's words and simply submitted to the Chaldeans, then they could have avoided the onslaught against the city. They could have avoided the city being burned. They could have saved lives, but they just weren't listening to the word of God. And the Bible teaches that the princes of Zedekiah actually were so mad at Jeremiah and they accused him of being a traitor. Uh, You're telling us to submit to the Babylonians. You are a traitor. You are a double agent. And you do not love your people. Uh, You are not for the people of God. In fact, your messages are causing some of the soldiers in the city to rethink whether or not they should be defending. And some are defecting. And that's your fault, Jeremiah. Uh, You do not have the welfare of the people at heart. Now, isn't that interesting? Because of all the people in Jerusalem, Jeremiah cared the most. Uh, Jeremiah was the, the, the most beneficial to them if they would simply obey him. And yet the enemies were accusing Jeremiah of the exact opposite of what was really true. It says in verse number four of chapter 38, this man seeketh not the welfare of the city of the people, but the hurt. You see, they had gone to Zedekiah, the king, these princes, and said, can you please allow us to take him? Can you allow us to deal with him? Because he's not helping, he's hurting. And Zedekiah was such a weak king that Zedekiah said, okay. So Zedekiah allowed the princes to take Jeremiah. And this is the lowest point in Jeremiah's life because they took him, the Bible says, to a dungeon, the the dungeon of Malchiah, the son of Hamalek, which was in the court of the prison. And they lowered him down into a pit in the ground probably a cistern that was out of water now and just was mud and muck at the bottom of it. And the Bible says they actually lowered Jeremiah into this pit 
and he sunk down into the mud in this pit and they just left him there. And, and probably the point was they wanted him to die a slow death, starvation, uh, death by just dealing with the elements. I mean, what a horrible way to die and what a horrible thing to do uh, to this faithful man of God. And the Bible teaches that Jeremiah was in a bad, bad way and he would have died. Humanly speaking, there was no way for him to get out. He was completely stuck in the mud, in the pit, for having done nothing else but being faithful to God. It reminds me of Paul in his last days there in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and to John the Baptist in his last days there at the place called Machaerus on the other side of the Dead Sea. These were good men who are suffering for simply giving the truth of God's word. Well, what happens? Well, the Bible teaches that an Ethiopian eunuch, now, isn't that interesting? Because we, we read about another Ethiopian eunuch in, in the New Testament who was saved. Remember, Philip talked to him. Uh, but uh, this Ethiopian eunuch, not even a, 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 a person that was born a Jew, and, and eunuchs weren't even allowed to participate in temple worship. So this slave, so to speak, has more compassion and more understanding for the situation than even the leaders of Judah. And what does he do? He goes to Zedekiah and he says to Zedekiah, Jeremiah's going to die. And you have given permission to your men to lower Jeremiah into this pit. And I don't know if you know this, but he's without food, without water, without help in this pit. He's going to die. Something must be done. And so what does Zedekiah do? He's such a weakling. Uh, Zedekiah says, okay. Take 30 men with you and, and get them out of the pit. And the Bible describes in detail what Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian eunuch, what he does. He takes rope and he takes rags so that, that you can put those rags underneath the rope so you can put it under Jeremiah's arms. They lower the rope and these rags down to Jeremiah in this pit. They literally pull him out of the muck and the mire of that pit and save his life. I mean, what a story. Somebody ought to make a movie about it. It's just so riveting. Then the Bible teaches that Zedekiah, once Jeremiah comes out, he must have looked awful, emaciated, and totally weakened by this experience. But Zedekiah calls Jeremiah in. It says, Jeremiah, listen, okay, sorry about the whole deal with the pit, but you've got to tell me what's going on. I promise you, I promise you, I won't get mad. I won't do anything bad to you. Just tell me what's God telling you. And I love what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah says, Zedekiah, I mean, are you going to arrest me again? Are you going to imprison me again? Are you going to kill me? I mean, I've just been telling you the truth all along the way. And Zedekiah says, no, no, I promise. So what does Jeremiah do? He tells Zedekiah what he has told him many times before, Zedekiah, if you will simply submit to God's word, if you will simply submit to the Babylonians, if you'll simply surrender, and then, then things will go well. The city won't be burned. You're actually going to save lives. The best thing you can do for your people is submit to what God has already told you to do. And can I just say, that's the best thing any leader can do for his people. That's the best thing a dad can do for his family. That's the best thing that a pastor can do for his church. That is simply to submit to the word of God. 
And but Zedekiah wouldn't do it. Zedekiah said, but if I do that, then they're going to deliver me into captivity and all the people that have already been taken in captivity are going to make fun of me. They're going to mock me. What will they think? I mean, think about it. Zedekiah is more concerned about his reputation than he is about the welfare of his own people. So finally, Zedekiah says, okay, Jeremiah, I get it. I I know what you've said. Actually, what Jeremiah tells him is, Zedekiah, don't worry about them mocking you in captivity. Be worried about the people that you're supposed to be protecting, like your wives and the women uh, there in your palace who will mock you the day that all of this goes down if you disobey. Zedekiah, you're looking at it all wrong. Quit trying to figure it out. Quit trying to look at the situation through the lens of how you can save face. Listen, when God is dealing with you in your life about your sin, it's not a save face time. It's not a time to say, well, I want to obey God, but I also want to look good doing it. Sometimes you don't look good. That's the whole point. And Jeremiah was trying to make that point to Zedekiah, but he just wasn't listening. Finally, Zedekiah said, okay, Jeremiah, I hear what you're saying, but if the princes come back and ask you what we talked about, don't tell them. I don't want them to know what I've said to you. I don't want them to know what you've said to me. Just kind of play my game. Zedekiah just never really got it, which really leads us to chapter number 39, where we see the awful end of Zedekiah. Because in chapter 39, the Bible says the siege finally ends. The walls are finally breached. The Babylonians finally come in. The city is indeed burned, just as God predicted. None of it had to happen. All of it was such a shame. Zedekiah was just a weak leader. And you know what that weak leader did in chapter number 39? He escaped out of a special gate by the king's house. He and his sons and some of his close allies, they they ran. You think about that. They ran. They didn't fight till the death. They they weren't the captain going down with the ship. They ran. Well, the Bible says the Chaldeans, the Babylonian army, pursued them, caught them, and brought Zedekiah face-to-face with Nebuchadnezzar, who was at an outpost. Now, that's exactly what Jeremiah had said before. You will look at the king of Babylon in the eye. And you know what what Nebuchadnezzar did? Nebuchadnezzar had the sons of Zedekiah executed right in front of him so that the last thing that Zedekiah ever saw was the execution of his own sons. And then they gouged out his eyes. They put him in shackles and they took him to die in Babylon. None of that had to happen. How very sad that Zedekiah never learned that lesson. Then the Bible says that they came and took Jeremiah because Jeremiah was in prison that whole time in the prison of the palace. And the captain of the guard, I wanted to read you his name, Nebuzaradon, Nebuzaradon. He was the captain of the guard, kind of the general of the army. He came and got Jeremiah. And I don't know how the Babylonians knew this, maybe through Daniel, maybe through some of the captives they already had. 
But they knew that Jeremiah had been pleading with the king to submit to the Babylonians. And so Nebuzaradan treated Jeremiah well. He actually freed him, gave him food, uh, gave him sustenance, uh, gave him the right to stay in Judah uh, with some of the poor people who were now given some vineyards and some lands to, uh, to work, to till. And so Jeremiah was given reprieve. Now think about that. Jeremiah, who was the prisoner, Jeremiah, who was the one everyone blamed, is now being treated well by the Babylonians. And Zedekiah has been, has been imprisoned and his sons have been executed, which leads us to chapter number 40. So the governor whom Nebuchadnezzar placed over Judah was a man by the name of Gedaliah, or Gedaliah. So he's not a king, but he's the governor. And the Bible teaches that when Gedaliah became the governor, he submitted to the Babylonians. And now some of the Jews that have run and hidden in some of the places like Edom and Ammon and Moab and these different places begin to come back. And they are now uh, safe because, and this is all of what, uh, all of what Jeremiah predicted. In fact, Jeremiah went to Ebed-Melech. Remember him? He was the Ethiopian that saved Jeremiah from prison. And God uh, sent Jeremiah to him and said, you're safe. You're cared for. Don't you worry. You're going to be okay. It's so interesting. God is protecting the poor and the weak and the lowly. He's protecting those that obeyed, that followed his word. And all of those that were high and mighty and rebellious are all being destroyed. It's almost as if God's word is true. And I say that tongue in cheek, of course it is. And so in Jeremiah chapter 40, Gedaliah is the new governor. Uh, the people now are just a remnant. Uh, many have been killed in the battle. Uh, many have been taken captive back to Babylon. But a few are there remaining in the land. And there is Jeremiah lamenting the destruction of the great Solomonic temple. There is Jeremiah looking at a burning city, realizing none of this had to, had to happen except that people just didn't trust the Word of God. Now, I've set you up because next episode, we're going to talk about this man, Johanan, wicked man. And his story is told over a couple chapters. So we'll jump into that next episode. Thanks for listening today. Hope you have a great day in the Lord. God bless you. My friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.